Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Views on View. This week on our panel, we have Divya Sassidaran. Hello there. Chris Fritz. Hey. Eric Hanchett. Hello, hello. John Papa. Hello, everyone. Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. This week, we have a special guest, and that is John Dotsarakis. Unbelievable. Great job on that. <laughs> I had to stop for a minute. That's a tough one. This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at reactroundup.com slash Kendo UI. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Um, yeah, I'm uh, John Dutzarakis, uh, North Shore, Boston, full stack developer at a uh, small shop, Promosis Inc. We do like marketing and sweepstakes and stuff like that. And on the side, I do uh, a lot of work at home and uh, Vue is my uh, framework of choice for sure. Very cool. Well, um, anyway, we, we had you on the show because you wrote an article comparing uh, your experience writing an app in Vue with, an, with writing the same app in React. Do you want to just talk a little bit about the genesis of that? And then we can dive in and compare the frameworks. Um, yeah. Um, and like I said, let me know if the uh, if my mic is good and everything. But, um, you know, I've been uh, programming for a while now. You know, I'm obviously not very good at it, but I just sort of, you know, keep working at it. And, um, you know, I've been using raw PHP and jQuery for the beginning of my development career. I think a lot of people maybe start like that, you know. So after bunch of years like that, I, you know, my, I started making more apps that were more complex. You know, I started dealing with obviously the big, you know, state issues in your app and all the data. And I started looking around for different uh, frameworks that, you know, cause there was obviously a bunch of buzz around a, a few of them. And, um, long story short, I landed on view and, uh, been, been using that ever since. Um, what, one of them, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but of course, as to why I chose view, but Really, React was having, um, that was when they sort of had a little bit of a licensing, you know, question. People were talking about if there was some uh, reason Facebook might be against your app for some reason or, you know, if they could pull the plug. So little things like that drove me to Vue. And then, you know, I've been using Vue now for about three years, probably. And, you know, it's been awesome. But the thing is, I keep hearing the buzz about React, of course, you know, you can't miss it. Vue, obviously, and React are basically the top front end frameworks, of course. So what I wanted to do was I sort of hate not knowing, like I hate that someone else may know something that I don't know. Obviously that happens pretty much all that's, that's, that's constant, but I wanted to have at least be informed with React. You know, what is it? Maybe it is better. You know, maybe there is a situation where here I am, I think I'm in the right place, but React uh, would be a better shot. So what I did was um, I basically, I'd already made a, a boilerplate for Vue and uh, Koa on the back end and Node for like a complete full stack app. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just because I felt like the tutorials that were out that are out there and some of these projects, they'll get right up until you need them. When, right when you need to log in a user, you can't find a tutorial. You know, right when you got to edit a note and not just add it, you know, you can't find it. So I wanted to make a whole, you know, from the beginning to end on it. So I did that in Vue and in, uh, in Koa and people liked it. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to learn React, maybe this will be a good place to do it and basically remake the Vue portion of it that's when I started making the React version of this. And uh, they actually both talked to the same uh, backend, which is funny. So I, I did the whole thing and I open sourced that the same way that I did the other one, uh, the other two. Then I wrote up a little thing about it on Reddit because you know, I've been on Reddit forever. And 
you know, they would liked it. And then Anthony Gore at VueSJ, uh, Vue.js uh, developers, he was like, dude, you got to write an article about this because I've never seen someone do it to this extent. You know, I've seen people do a, a to-do app or some smaller situation, but not the whole thing. You know what I mean? So I wrote it up. Yeah, people be reading it and stuff like that. So that's sort of the long, long, too, too long of a story about it. But yeah, that's that. What kind of feedback did you get on Reddit from the from doing that? Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, you know Reddit. Uh, I don't know if you guys. I mean, I'm everybody's kind of now. But you know, of course, I got a few of the you know certain type of people. You know what I mean? But obviously, any feedback's good. You know, a lot of times you can be in a um, you know you can have your blinders on with this stuff a lot. I feel, but it was actually like overwhelmingly positive for Reddit. I felt that was cool. It was cool to, to see that. It was cool to have that. And that people, it was a big help. I think that people weren't able to see the full thing. Like I gave it really. And I'm sure there's examples of this. I guess I just hadn't really gone, gone, gone to them, you know, but it was pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, did you have problems when you were switching the directives from directives to pure JavaScript with JSX? Was that like the hardest part of moving it over? Yeah, I think, and I, and I write about this a little bit too, I think with React, and it, it was one of my, it was, a, it was a nice part though too, was you really realize that React is a little bit more raw JavaScript where, you know, yeah, a lot of the stuff that I was doing in Vue, and obviously there's a whole meta discussion as which is better, this, that, but that wasn't too bad. You know, I, I think Vue doesn't like completely take you out of the JavaScript universe, but it, it, it just helps out a lot more. And that's a big thing I think React didn't have for me was the helpers, you know, bottom line. But that wasn't the hardest part. Um, it, it was probably, you know, top hardest, but not too crazy. Um, I really wouldn't say any of it was too hard. I think that Vue set me up in maybe my just past experience. I was, I've been using the revealing module pattern with jQuery for like the last four years of my life with jQuery. So, so some of the more advanced stuff I've been dealing with. I think with React, it was just the the difference of setup um, that was a little bit strange at first. Just a couple little things like with the, um, some of the Redux stuff was a little bit just weirder. I, I felt, although, you know, uh, it's hard to even know where I'm being subjective or objective because yeah, I've obviously- weird basically means unfamiliar, right? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> definitely. Um, so yeah, it's hard. I'm try, I try to look at it objectively. And I think that's, you know, if you look at how to connect your store to, to your component, I mean- I think I'm looking at objectively and saying that, dude, using the helper, you know, the Vuex getter helpers, the map getters, where you just have your, you know, little function that, you know, you have a couple of your object strings in there to talk about what, what getter you're looking for is so much more simple than having to wrap your whole component in the store. And then like, it's just like, it was a really, the whole, um, you know, having your, you know, the, the multiple exports at the bottom, if you want to have your store and, you know, other stuff coming through, I think the router had to be wrapped over it too. So it's just like, it was just this, although it's probably more normal to like, as far as the coding goes, as far as the JavaScript and the HTML goes, it's like I said, it's hard to be objective or subjective with it, but you know, it just seemed like a lot. I really like the, the, the view setup even after, and I know, I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, is you just spent one week, you know, you didn't really put your time. And it's like, no, I like, I went into the react test that I did looking, I thought I was maybe never going to see view again, you know, cause if it was really that good, I would have stayed, you know, I'm one of those people that I don't really try to lie to my, I really can't lie to myself. If I know something's better, I'm going to go to it. I don't really care to open up a react project right now, you know, maybe a react native in the future, but I'll probably end up on something view based before that happens. 
Hey, John, is it possible yeah. if you could just take a step back and walk through your process that you took when you were converting from React to Vue just to get a general sense of like the challenges that you faced or the steps you took? Um, yeah, well, you know, I, um, I had never booted up a React project before. So what I did was um, I'm a huge Vue CLI fan. You know, I'm a huge, you know, all, this, all the Vue first party stuff is unbelievable in my opinion. So I was a big Vue CLI guy. So I looked for, I, I opted to use Re, Create React app. You know what I mean? I didn't want to, I wanted to keep it as similar as possible. So if I was going to, you know, use, you know, Vue X, I wanted to use Redux. Uh, if I want to, you know, I use Vue Router, I was going to use React Router. So that, I, that was one of the goals was to sort of keep it real standard um, and real like up to date. And I, I did tons. I do like a bunch of research, like obviously before I even buy a pair of shoes, I'll research them to hell. So with this too, I especially, I wanted to know, was React Router the, the number one router to use or was there something better or uh, Redux? You know, I know that there was some other um, there's another one there that's across a cut that you can even use in view. And I, I wanted to see if I should use that, but I, I think Redux is still the, you know, the number one thing for them. So I basically start, you know, booted up. I started as a brand new user and I just went through the steps. You know, I went through the, the homepage. Um, one thing I'll do early on in a program is the login. I feel like the user login for any app is just like the number one. I mean, it's like the tour of the world. You can get, you know, you have to create a user. You need to be able to edit them, delete them, check stuff. The expiration date on the forgot password has a time element with the expiration date and the JSON web tokens that I like to, to use for all my login stuff. You know, that was going to have to be implemented third part, you know, library. So, you know, I just stepped through Redux. Then I brought the info in through React Router and then, um, you know, displayed it. And that's when I came across styled components for React. We'll talk about what my, my least favorite things were, but one of my favorite parts was styled components of, from React. And in the article I wrote too, I came across one, um, you know, two in the morning, I came across somebody who was, had left a comment on something I was reading. And he said, you know, the style components makes it fun to style components again. And I thought that was an interesting way to put it. And um, it was nice. But the thing is, my whole thing with that is Vue has the single file component. So the style components was cool, but maybe those people don't know that you can just put the scoped slot on your view single file component SAS and you got the same exact thing. You know what I mean? So I thought, you know, the stuff that everybody was so happy to see in React, I'd be having for three years now already with Vue, you, you know? So that was the, some of the stuff I was just like, I, I just went through step by step. I didn't want to, one thing I didn't want to do too is I didn't want to like use Vuex in my other one, but then use no state handler, you know? So I wanted to, you know, I went through and I had to, I quickly ran into a situation where I had to be able to return and, and dispatch actions from other actions in my Redux store. So I had to get Redux thunks involved. And, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of that to, to have to even do something like that, you know, but I guess that's just the standard. You know, I don't know if people who write tutorials forget what it's like to not know how to do anything. But when I went to React, I mean, I spent a whole night and I talked about this in the article. Like, you know how when you have a user, he obviously needs to stay out of the, his dashboard until he's logged in, you know, of course. But geez, even to just find that piece of information literally took me a whole night. And like, I only have a job because I'm a good Googler, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Let, I'm not good at anything else. I, I don't even deserve to identify be, with that. You know what I mean? So I don't even deserve to be on this panel with you guys. You know what I mean? This isn't, you know, I'm not no, nowhere near where you guys are at. But even for me, oh, I, I, 
I just do a lot of Googling too. <laughs> that's, that's the it, it, just, it just seems like, seems like I know the answers. Like they're all in my head because <laughs> yeah. I, I have some time to type it out, you know, in the time where, where someone asks me a question and it's like, oh yeah, I can find the answer and I'll right. ask some people <laughs> and stuff. And, that's funny. Yeah, so um, I'm so old, I still use Ask Jeeves, so... <laughs> that's like uh parks and recreation where everybody's still using ash jeeves and they're like why do you <laughs> yeah <laughs> why do you still use that um right. Sean, i'd love to focus in on some of the things that you talked about in your article too like you've talked about some things that you really liked and things you didn't but maybe style components that you said you really you really like that and react i'm sure not everybody uh who's listening knows the differences between style components and what scoped versus non-scoped components do in view Maybe you could start there by talking about the differences and the similarities and kind of what drew you towards it. Yeah, well, you know, so, and it's interesting. I guess I do have a, um, you almost wonder why do people want to even talk to me, but I guess I, I, I came into a, a, a really interesting part with um, the React program where I didn't know too much about React. So I was sort of really like a new user, you know, although I did know some things from Vue. So that's like an interesting way to come into it. So the Create React app, which is, like I said, the base that I use, so I guess that's the world that I know, it has SaaS support built in from what I remember. And, and I, it was cool, but then like you couldn't, it didn't have like, it only had like a, the beginning of it. It didn't have the functions, I don't think. It didn't have um, a bunch of other stuff with it. So it quickly became clear. And I like SaaS, you know what I mean? That's like, of course. Too. So I had to get it into my project because that's what, I used with the other one and not, and not, you know, I built this app, like I was going to use it for 10 years. That's how I do everything. So when I did it here, I'm like, okay, well, I got to get SAS in this project. And as I started to look at it, it was just like, it was, I came across people were like, dude, look at the style components. I'm like, so I looked at them and I'm like, yeah, I think I'd rather do that than just, um, because there, there was this situation where the big thing, you know, the thing was, is that with, with Vue, you can keep all this, the CSS together. And with the create React, React app, I'd have to, and with the style component, uh, without the style components, I'd have to basically style, have my style files somewhere else, which isn't that big of a deal, like whatever. The thing was though, is that it became like you could style them right in line with your component in a way. And then also it, it, it kept things more clear in, in a way as well. Although compared to the view, the view scope stuff, the problem with the style components I had was it still had a really messy props situation when you wanted to have some type of variation that's when the style components there was i had to spend two hours on a little pivot for that whereas with the view scoped stuff it was just obviously right in line you know right you didn't have to even deal there was no concept of props in the SAS because you're you know you're dealing with all that right above it in the javascript and you can just add or remove a class as you need and if I hear you right, John, just make sure, I want to make sure everybody follows kind of where we're going on this, because I'm not sure what everyone's experience is with Vue and React. Some may know one or the other, probably not both. If I hear you right, when you went down this road, it sounded like you first started hearing that, hey, in React, you can't put your styles in a component like you could with Vue or you isolate them until you learned about styled components. Is that where you started with that? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I obviously could be wrong with a lot of this stuff as well, too. So, I mean, technically, I think you probably could inject um, the CSS above it, perhaps, you know. Um, but I think what a lot of people in my research, people were sort of it was like one of those things where you come across 10 people saying the same thing. Yeah. And and I was like, OK, you know, I need to look at it at the very least. And then after I looked at it and saw that, like, everybody was, I've, you know, a couple libraries that I was looking uh, using were all using that. and 
and it would just, it, I forget exactly what it was, but there was something, there was something unsavory about using the CSS and the SAS directly in the create react, react app out of the gate. This is one of those places that's very different across the three major frameworks of Angular, React, and Vue that I found as well. And it's funny is in Angular and Vue, the default state at first looks like they're the same. As in Angular, you can put your CSS right inside the same file, but you can't put SAS inside the same file. But the one place that's different than Vue is Vue by default is not scoped. You have to add scope to make it scoped. Angular is scoped by default. Mm. So it's funny, if you go from one framework to the other, you get these subtle differences that may change how you do things. And then in React, the thing about style components that I, I hear, I learned React about two, three months ago for seriousness. Mm. Uh, before that, I was dabbling as well. Uh, everyone was like, you have to try style components. you got to try it. And so I, I experienced the same thing you did, and I tried it. And their big reason was that, because now you can put them on a component and it's just JavaScript. Effectively, you're writing JavaScript mm-hmm. to write your, your CSS or SAS. But I also felt kind of like, it sounds like you might feel, tell me if I'm wrong, that writing JavaScript for CSS wasn't as big of a bonus for me as it was for some others. Like, I'm okay with writing CSS or SAS. So to me, having it in the same file, I loved. And having it scoped, I loved. But the fact that it was JavaScript versus SAS didn't do anything for me. How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I still, yeah, I definitely hear you on that for sure. Um, I think I took it, I definitely wrote, um, and I have the, um, I have my code right here. So I, I definitely still, it was more of the, um, the, the way that you enclosed it was JavaScript, but really the meat of the actual thing was still um, yeah. CSS and SAS. So that part didn't bother me at all, to be honest with you, because it's like, you know, you just think, you know, when you're opening up your, um, like I said, you know, you would just export your button, but then after you do the weird backtick thing to, to, yeah. to get the, you're just like doing your SAS there normally. Unless yeah. you have props inside of it, right? Exactly. And I yeah. think that's the number, that was the number one big negative to me was the prop situation because it was just like hacky. I mean, to be honest with you now, this was six months ago or four months ago for me, five months ago. And I think I had, cause I read threads like crazy. So people were talking about, I think they trying to see if they could adjust that, but you know, f- bottom line in the middle of the, you know, after you just the little bit of JavaScript, just to open up the, your, your stuff inside there, I was, you know, it was fine. Yeah. But yes, the thing is when you have to use the, you know, the ternary to deal with your prop, you know, whether you're going to go one way, that was where I was like, so that was my, that was my thing where it's just like the view already has all that. You know, and, and, and if you put, if you stick the scoped on there on the, your view component, um, you know, you're, you're basically having that really nice self-styled, you know, one, you know, one uh, need, you know, everything enclosed in one place. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that was... Uh, so there was no advantage or disadvantage to either one, really, it sounds like what you're saying. It's just a different way. <laughs> yeah, it almost seemed like, if anything, the style components brought the, the, the React at least to views level. Whereas before, I probably let's say that didn't even exist. I would have given that. I would have given that a big mark against. But at the very least, the React style components at least brought it, it up to the same level where Vue was. That's and I enough. think that was interesting because you know I think that these. I heard somebody say this a, a couple of weeks ago. Give you one day some type of you know that. And I swear to God, that's like the type you know that should be like the number that should be on like the Twitter backboard for Vue. It's just like there should be a hashtag of give you a chance just one day. Cause if you give it one day, you'll see that you don't need to hail 
styled components as some type of unbelievable thing when viewers had it for, you know what I mean? Years. And, and, and they only think it's amazing because they had had to deal with it wherever they were, you know, whatever the way they were at first. And who knows, maybe I should have, um, see, I also jumped to right to the stuff that I, I want, you know, so this, this here, I, I use style components pretty fast. I didn't like sit with the regular create react app CSS for too long because I realized, well, this is what everyone's doing now. You know, let me do what they're doing. Let me, so I tried to also be fast too, where I didn't like do this without, you know, like I said, like I was saying earlier, I didn't want to like not use Redux or not use, I wanted to use everything that I, just if somebody were to sit down today and, and, and make a new React project, what they would do, you know. Now things have maybe changed though since this time as well. So I'm not sure if it's different now. Well, I think what you're doing is fascinating. I think we all on this panel and, and the listeners would love to hear more about all the different things you talked about. You talked about the, the router, you talked about Vuex, and you talked about the Vue CLI as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to gloss over the CLI because I found it interesting how because you use the Vue CLI, you were uh, gravitated over, over towards Create React App. Um, I read what you wrote about it inside your post, but I wonder if you could elaborate a little bit on what you found appealing and similar and maybe what you found different as well. Yeah, well, Create React App um, was a real was really a compact, nice thing. It wasn't like this. It wasn't something that had a lot of the bells and whistles that I think Vue CLI had, even at version two. But what it, what it did do was stay out of the way and do its thing nicely. I thought it was nice that, uh, for instance, with initially I'd pump I had published the Koa um, the, the 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 React app on GitHub Pages. So there's that weird um, situation where you have to live at a subfolder. I don't know if you've ever posted something there. It's like the worst thing, whatever. But usually you can deal with it when you're not on GitHub pages with an HT access or, you know, just, yeah, something like that, whether it's an Nginx rewrite or whatever. With Create React App, in my package JSON, I think I just set like the main entry point and it fixed all that. You know, it, it knew right away. So I thought that was cool that like, the Create React app had a little bit more of a closer relationship with my project, it seemed like, where, like I said, to fix that issue, I actually had to go to the package JSON, <laughs> which was weird because what does that have to do with my project, sort of, you know? But really, I had set the main part of it. I think it's, I actually changed it back now because now I host it myself, whatever reason. But that, that was really nice. Although, like I said, it was the, I liked it a lot because it stayed out of my way. You know, it, it wasn't a situation where it gave me so much benefit that I thought it was amazing. It was more of like, it was tight. I liked how it was like looking at the package JSON to think about something. I mean, I don't think the Vue CLI looks at the package JSON to do anything. You know, I, I think it's, you know, it does its thing based on the configuration or whatever. I mean, now with Vue CLI 3, it might, but that was nice. I liked that it had the SAS out of the uh, initially. Without, I didn't have to add anything else, uh, although it was some deformed version of, of SAS, from what I remember. didn't have something that I needed. I don't know if it was very... It, I forget what it was. Like I said, for whatever reason, I went right away to style components to, to, before installing um, sort of more libraries to handle my whatever it was in SAS. It might have been like I didn't have like the darken and lighten, and I had to add those separately. And I think I still have them added, actually. You know, it's funny, these first experience things, I think, are really important to add to, to people because, like you said, once you go through it, you end up with a curse of knowledge and you forget what it was like the first time you experienced mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. things. And however small that little thing feels, 
it may have cost you hours or days mm-hmm. in some cases, hopefully not right, to solve some of them. <laughs> I had no problem with the SaaS. My first problem, because I got into stock ones quickly, I hit one that most of my React friends looked at me like I had four heads when I told them. I tried to create React app and I used VS Code and I wanted both Airbnb to be my ESLint settings and then use Prettier. And right out of the gate, like formatting wasn't working. I couldn't format my files. Hmm. And I had to start like looking at like Brian Holt, a good friend of mine's projects on GitHub to figure out what was his ESLint configuration with VS Code to make sure it worked. And it's, I spent like three hours on this mm-hmm. and I felt like I felt dumb, to be very honest. I was like, why can't I get this to work? Mm-hmm. But now I know how it works and I don't even think about it. Right. The point there being, I think these things you're going through, it's not the tool's fault. It's that when you go through the first time, you end up experiencing these things that sometimes make you feel a little embarrassed, but uh, you're not the only one going through it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. And I mean, I don't use VS Code. So maybe, um, yeah, that was something maybe I didn't come across. But even the tools you use, I maybe influence these, uh, your experiences too. Yeah, definitely. Thing is, though, is I love UCLI. I mean, geez, and UCLI 3, I think is unbelievable. Akram, I don't know if that dude's name is Akram. He's, the, he's, he's on your team, Chris. Yeah, Guillaume, but his, Guillaume. his screen name. Guillaume, is it show? Is it show? Show, yeah. All you guys are unbelievable. Like I said, you know, the view, the view team is literally like all-stars to me. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, the way I think view CLI 3, I mean, I was on the first beta, like the first day. You know what I mean? Because... I like the fact that it, it had the instant up. You could update. Um, you could, you know, the big thing with Vue CLI 2 that obviously I think, you know, everybody ran into was wherever you got in on the ride, that was, that was where you had it. You know what I mean? But with Vue CLI 3, the best part is that you can just upgrade as you guys fix things, you know, and obviously other stuff too. But I mean, in the end, they're just, they're just the start. They're just the starter tools. And of course they build, they usually, you know, they'll be involved with your building and stuff like that too. But to me, it doesn't, the Create React app didn't really do too much. It just stayed out of the way and was nice. Whereas the, even if you take, if you compare those two, the, the Vue CLI, especially Vue CLI 3, does so much for you, I feel, where even just the way you can add the plugins now and have so much functionality come from one line of NPM install um, is just sick. You know what I mean? And whereas I, I didn't really see that on the Create React app, but I still gave the Create React app props because it, it still was a, a nice, clean, tight part of the ecosystem. So I like that. I agree. I like, I like both CLIs. I, I like the Angular one as well. All three, I think if you're doing any of these three tools and you're not using the CLIs, then you should definitely at least give them a try. Definitely. Yeah, we, we, with few CLI 3, we have tried to capture sort of the best of both worlds. Like, like something we really liked about Create React App is how your entire build could be in a dependency. So you never have, have to worry about like, oh gosh, now like... You know, we've been maintaining this project for a while and we're using web, we were using Webpack 2 and now we want to upgrade to Webpack 4. And right. like, what are all the things that we have to do? Like now you have to suddenly become a Webpack expert just to maintain your app, even though it really has nothing to do with your app. And not only a Webpack expert, but you have to know about like all the different like plugins and other tools in the ecosystem that communicate with Webpack to know like what's compatible, what people are using. It's like, oh, we don't really use this plugin anymore. That one's only for like three, Webpack 3 and below. Now we're using this. And it can just become a, a, a huge headache and, and increase the number of things that your team has to know without really much benefit. So that, that's something that we, we try to capture with UCLI 3. And I agree with you, man. Most people don't want to be a Webpack expert. I mean, oh, that's absolutely. not what they want to be doing. <laughs> yeah. But, but with the plugins, you can still configure like the exact tools mm-hmm. that you want to use. And with the view.config.js file, mm-hmm. you, know, you can also 
like override any part of the Webpack config. You can write your own plugins, um, you know, to share different behavior uh, across projects for the, the companies, for example, that mm-hmm. have a lot of different a lot of different apps that they want to standardize across. And also when you want to have some integration that we haven't provided our own plugin for, like there's a really great Electron plugin, UCLI plugin, uh, Electron Builder, mm-hmm. I believe it's called, mm-hmm. uh, that, that does a really great job of making it super easy to just start an Electron app with UCLI 3. Right. And, and that, that config, the view config is not something that, you know, people sleep on that all the time, I think. That's, that's what you just said was a great point because you can override any of that stuff too right away in the view uh, config.js, right? So I you ever think you're right on with that. And that's, a, that's yeah. one of my favorite parts too, definitely. And that way you only have to maintain the parts of the config that are really specific to mm-hmm. your app and, and actually quite special. And in most projects, even in large like enterprise projects with like really weird requirements, I'll often have just like a handful of lines in a view.config.js that is really easy to maintain. Mm. Like much easier than, you know, ejecting like you, you might have to do with create React app right now and then have to maintain everything on your own from then on if you yeah. want to have mm-hmm. that level of flexibility. And that was something I was reading about was the rejecting, uh, ejecting and having to be on your own after that. And I read that, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be part of the crew. I want to, you know, I want to yeah. be part of the family forever. And they, you know, they, so yeah, that was a big thing too. And that's why when I saw the view CLI three was going to have the auto up, you know, the ability to be updated. I'm like, that's killer. You know what I mean? That's, that's a killer feature. I, I think people know, yeah, people, you know, you almost wonder that people notice all this little stuff, but yeah, I think obviously if you get into these little things, you start to worry about this stuff, but I, I still think people should get, I think what was helpful to me is I still on the side of all this, especially when view, when a uh, webpack four came out, I still set up my own little webpack four situation. Just to, I feel like if you don't, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty with this stuff. You know what I mean? So obviously you guys be doing that all the time. But even with me, I went and just set up a little uh, Webpack world just to be sure of how it does work. Even though, yes, I would really, you know, recommend anyone, of course, start any project that's going to be used by anybody with the, the, you know, the starters. But it's still important to just jump into it yourself, though, too, as well, I would think. Well, I, I admit I... I enjoy like deep diving into some of these things uh, because that happens to be something that is is perversely fun for me. <laughs> there are so many different things to know. And I think anytime mm-hmm. we can use the number of things that people have to know in order to be productive, I, I think we, we should. And, and definitely Absolutely. on the I know all the, other, all the other frameworks do try to do this and, and we're constantly learning from each other. I mean, the problem comes down to the fact that it's just not a good enough black box that you can effectively ignore it, right? And that's just a necessary product of how complex some of software engineering is. But um, yeah. as this, as these CLI projects get better and better at doing their things and work around things, I mean, I'll admit when it comes to Angular, it's been a long time since I bothered even worrying about what the Webpack config looks like. So that's probably one place where they're doing a pretty I would say, pretty acceptable job. But Webpack is the kind of thing that if you have to touch it at all, you got to really understand it. Otherwise, you can super screw things up. Well, I actually haven't found that with, with Vue CLI 3. Like, generally, there are, like, for, for the things that you'd have to really understand, we've tried to provide uh, abstractions, like especially things that, you know, uh, are more likely to change across Webpack versions and have been changing across Webpack versions so that when people upgrade, they don't have to you know, do something right. special or know something special about Webpack. 
you know, for example, with like uh, CSS extraction, you know, like there are different plugins that you could use for CSS extraction and, and a bunch of different, uh, you know, options for each of those plugins. Uh, but we try to provide a layer of abstraction on, on top of that so that you can just like tell it whether you want to extract CSS. And that way you don't have to worry about the implementation details of how exactly we're doing it within, within Webpack. The one thing that is worth checking out for Webpack is just the dev server options. I find that's the thing that people are most likely to configure. Oh, that's true. You got to know how to proxy your calls uh, yes. away. Yeah, but that's it, that's something you can learn without understanding all of Webpack. Yes, right? no, totally true. But Chris, so tell me, would you say that when you have to start digging into Webpack and really dealing with it, would you say that it's the kind of thing that it can be very dangerous? I mean, that was that's been my experience. The minute I have to start touching it, I get really worried because I might screw it up. I mean, p- potentially. You know, it's something nice about version control is that if you totally mess it up, you just go back and start over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, you, you, can't, you can't necessarily get worse than what you had before uh, unless it's something really subtle that you don't notice at first. That, but I, I find that I with the... that experience process. plenty of times. Yeah. <laughs> now, you mentioned the proxies, Joe. I, I find that interesting too because uh, I forget which one's which now, but like an Angular view and React, they all have a way to proxy your calls. Uh, and they're all slightly different on how they do it, but it's all relatively easy. It's like two lines of JSON with their own techniques. I, I've yet to find something that's massively lacking from any of the three major frameworks. Uh, so when people tell me they choose the fr- one of those frameworks because it has a feature that the others don't, I always look at them, kind of clock my head the other way. I'm like, really? What exactly does that one do that this one doesn't do? Maybe in a different way, but it's... I just don't see that one or the other ones has something that the others doesn't at this point, unless they've discovered something that I just don't know about. Uh, View UI? Uh, does React have equivalent? I think I know Angular has one. Angular doesn't we could it. talk about a lot of little things, but I, I think, yep. it, John, what you're talking about, like, is there a kind of app that you can build in one of them that you can't build with the others? I'm going to tell you something. The number one killer feature with the views, with view, single file components. Number To me, that's, that's the, um, uh, to answer your question, I mean, no, I think, I mean, you don't even want to know what I built with jQuery and raw PHP, but you know, I mean, you can build anything with anything, you know, to be, you know, in the end, if you put enough hard work and elbow grease into it, it might take a long time, you know, but, um, but I agree with SFC and Vue is the first one to do it well, but, and I like Vue better than React personally, being very clear, but you can actually do an SFC in React, as you've pointed out, if you use style components, right? Yeah, uh, that, that is true, uh, for sure. And, uh, although, with the with the prop action, I guess I'm not sure if that's fixed. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know where it's at now. If if your experience is a little different than mine, but it it wasn't the prettiest thing. It it, it wasn't. It, there was there was definitely some when I had to when I had to do the props with it. It was a little hurt. It was a little painful. Yeah, which is um, all about experience, right? So I think I agree with you. I think Vue feels better for SFC than any of the other two. Uh, I think React is right behind it, and then I think Angular is third as far as SFC goes, in my opinion. Yeah, there are some other caveats with with styled components. So with with Vue SFCs, yeah. for example, you know, like like we've already talked about, you can use any preprocessor that you're already familiar with, and and you can write like just CSS or just like SCSS. Like you you don't have to worry about like oh, well, what do we do in this like special edge case? It's like no, yeah, like you have the people who are designing your app like can just use basically the same workflows that they've been using. Like yes, with you know whatever framework they were using before, what they've used on other teams, uh, there's really not a, not really new stuff to get used to. You're not learning uh, anything especially new. Especially if they're scope styles. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so 
I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure uh, these days I'm sure you can go, you go wrong with, 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 and I don't really have a lot of, ang- I don't really know Angular at all. So do you use, when, do you still fire up J- John uh, Angular for a project or are you on Vue or React? Uh, I use all three right now. Vue and Angular are the two that I go to most often, yeah. but I, like you, wanted to learn more about React. So I went down that space. And, and when I say there's yet for me to find a feature that I don't find that across all three, I don't mean that it's not implemented better, in my opinion, in one than the others. Right, right. I mean, that's absolutely, in my opinion, you know, some I totally prefer one thing and one over the others. Uh, like when I was reading about the React router in your article, I had the same thoughts. I'm like, oh man, I like the Vue and Angular one so much better. And actually yeah. the Vue one's my favorite. But I don't see like, and some of the tooling is different for sure. Like I think the Vue UI is amazing. Uh, Angular Console is a new Electron app, which is kind of emulating some of that. Um, and that's in beta. And then I don't think React has one. So tooling wise, I think there's differences, but I don't think there's like, oh my gosh, you like as Chris said perfectly, you can't build that kind of an app with film. Yeah, obviously people are using all of these frameworks to, yeah. to build a lot of apps successfully. I don't really hear about people um, like their their business is failing because they they pick the wrong oh, framework. Right, right. Not unless they're high and they're trying to convince somebody. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, and and another advantage of like SESS and other preprocessors is that you can use all of these utilities like in your build process so that it doesn't add more code like to to your final JavaScript. Like if you decide that you want to you know, change the transparency on something, you know, or, or, or do other like color manipulation to darken light. And like we talked about earlier, like if you're using CSS within JS, then you have to like bring in another dependency to, to do all of that work. Whereas in, in SAS and other preprocessors, it just sort of disappears during the compile step. There's no extra code there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we get geeked about, you know, Svelte and doing cool things with tree shaking to you know, basically just like c- compile the, the minimum code that we need to make the app work. But like preprocessors like are the svelte of CSS. You know, they, yeah. they do compile themselves away. That problem's mm-hmm. been solved already. I, I agree. With you. Yeah. So we don't need to solve it again. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I often feel like in a lot of ways, like with CSS and JS in general, like we're, we're going in a direction where people are sort of rediscovering like why why it's a good thing that we have preprocessors in CSS and then people are making their way back to it. And right. like, I, I wouldn't say that this is a problem of React because in, in, or, or any other framework, because in React too, like what, what I like to use is CSS modules um, when I'm in React. And that's actually what I like to do in Vue as well. And with CSS modules, you can also use any preprocessor you want uh, and you get the same kind of scoping. And the, the scoping is like really flexible and not specific to components. It can be used anywhere in your application. So that there are a lot of advantages to, uh, or that there are a lot of tools that we can use uh, across ecosystems as well. Hmm. This is a question for, for all of you, especially John, but do you find yourself, uh, you're a big SaaS user, you said, you find yourself using a lot of things like mix-ins with SaaS with you? Personally, I mean, I'll, 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 use, I'll use a mix-in um, when there's something that's going to be reused a lot on the site that's really tight. Really, really, really tight. Um, I'm talking about a you know in one of my latest uh, bestmeta.com little app I just made the little labels there. I use a mix in, but you know I I probably don't take advantage of it as much as I should. I don't know about you guys. I find for UI stuff I do it a lot. Like you're saying, like a label or an input or a button, things that I have you know dozens of times or hundreds of times mm-hmm. my app. Mm-hmm. When I use them, they're critical, but I don't know if I use them enough either. Right. 
Yeah, I, I find myself not using mixins as much as I used to uh, because I'll find that a lot of the things that I used to use mixins for, I'm now just using a component for. Mm-hmm. But I, th- there are still a lot of SAS features that I'll, I'll use and, and really like. And yeah, I'll, I'll occasionally use a mixin for something too, just n- not as heavily as I used to. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Could we switch gears a little bit, John, to talk about your Redux Vuex experience and kind of walk us through what you found good, bad, ugly? Um, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, even just hearing you, hearing you say that a lot of the things that you're saying out loud, it, I'm even hearing my, you know, I got to take all this stuff and obviously, you know, maybe my subjectiveness, and I, and I try to address that a little bit and, you know, people say it and stuff like that. Well, maybe my subjectiveness is, affecting some of the, how I, what I consider pretty or, you know, oh, that was weird. Like I said earlier, you know, but with the, with the VUX stuff, you know, I, I think, I think Redux was, was really strong. You know, I think using a state, um, tool these days is really the, the main reason to, to use any of these frameworks, of course. Cause like I said, back when I was using jQuery, I mean, it took me two, six month apps. The second I finished that second one, I started searching for some alternative because I had just about had it with, with having to deal with the state across the app. It was a disaster. So when I settled into to, uh, to Vuex, um, I, I didn't even know the flux pattern. And I was literally like using Vuex like a week later, completely fine. And like I said, this is all just anecdotal, but I just read the tutorials and I read what Evan wrote and I just did what he said. And before I knew it, I had my, you know, I felt that the state, the initial state declaration was really clear. The actions, uh, uh, the mutations that should only be touching the state, that's clear. The actions should only touch the mutations, that's clear. And then the getters, which is a killer um, view, view feature, it's still part of the store too. I thought that was a killer you know, it was all real simple and straightforward and it was such a awesome thing. You know, it was such an awesome thing. And I didn't even really, like I said, I didn't even know the flux pattern before that. And I had learned it in about a week. And with, with Redux, I mean, there's just an, in, I don't know if you, in your app, John, you, you would, you would use Redux with your like initial testing for react, but mm-hmm. I mean, geez, just to set the state was weird. I mean, you can, everyone, we can debate what weird is, and I think, but geez, on Vuex, you can see state as an object, bang, you do it right there. <laughs> you know, these are object properties that you declare the state on. But with Redux, you have to pass it into the function that initializes your, your what do you call it? Your reducer, I'm, I'm for my, what I remember. Yeah. 
And it was strange because it was the, it was like a function parameter that I had to, that's where I set my notes equal to an empty array, as opposed to having it be a little bit more descriptive where it's like, here's your state, you know, or, or, you know, that type of stuff. So I feel like, was I poisoned by view initially where I could never love another reframework again? <laughs> I don't know. I love that quote. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the way. Although I'm trying to think objectively, and I'd be hard pressed for someone to tell me that the way that you hook up your Vuex store to your component and the way that you hook up a React store to the component, if you look at those objectively, I feel that you can't tell me that the React one looks better or looks easier. Although, who knows? Maybe if you were born in that, you would think the view, the view way looks ugly, you know? So that, uh, my experience with the Redux one was, like I said, it was a little weird, even just getting the state set up and trying to understand how do I even bring the, this data into the component itself? I found that just a little strange how you had to wrap the entire app in the store, essentially, provide the store or whatever. And then in the actual app itself, you had to register for each thing that you wanted and then tie that in at the bottom, and then, okay, now you have your stuff. And it's just like, you know, I, it, it, was a, it was a little strange. I mean, the reducers were nice. You know, everything was nice. Um, with, the, with the actions, I talked about a little bit earlier, um, you, you know, the, the Redux Thunk situation sent me down a, 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 a rabbit hole. You I'm know? sorry, what, could you repeat why you went down that report? Well, because, you know, I started reading about sagas, and uh, Redux Sagas. I don't even know what that is. It sounds like a movie. And, and, and you know, I, I, I didn't know whether I, there was another one too. And there was a third one that everyone was like, no, use this one. And I'm like, I don't even know what the other one is. Hold it on, was the problem you were trying to solve. Try, just make sure I understand. The problem you're trying to solve was how do I call action? How do I, um, how do, I do side effects? You're trying to use the right word verbiage here. I actually like that. Might, you should make up another one. Just call it Redux Side Effects. I like that. In Angular, they have effects. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Angular's effects. Sagas <laughs> is the big one in, in Redux that I found. And Vuex is kind of just built in. It seems like it was built in. And now this may be, I may be like, I might even be wrong about the whole thing. But the thing is, I remember that night distinctly trying to dispatch actions from my other actions. And I use a way to sync, of course, for all my promises. And it didn't work. It just didn't work. And as I searched it, everyone was like, no, you have to use xyz to get that to work and it was because of some limitation with the with the store and like i said somebody who really knows about react can probably step in and be like dude what are you talking about that doesn't even work but my my research led me that in order to be able to dispatch actions to you know from other actions have promises be involved and be able to uh, await the whole thing i had to install redux thunk to get that done whereas Uh, mm -hmm. go ahead Go ahead. Yeah, and then with with Vuex, I was doing that. I didn't even think think a second thing about it. So you know, because we were able to, you can just call another. You can just dispatch another action right in Vuex. It didn't even never came up there. You know. So when I sat down with React, that's when I found that problem. Or you know, like I said, maybe I'm just dumb. I don't know. Honestly, that's that's most likely it. But it it something you know. It seemed like this whole world existed because of this thing, the thunk and the sagas and everything. Well, I'll tell you, though, John, you're, you're doing something I think is I want to take a step back on. And I feel is uh, you should be congratulated for. First, that 
admitting that you didn't know everything right out of the gate. A lot, I think a lot of people have a hard time saying that, especially publicly in a podcast that has 10 million listeners like this one does. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know how many we have, <laughs> but I'm sure it's somewhere between 10 and 10 million. Um, but I wish it was 10 million. Yeah. So it's, it's, you're doing something that's brave. And I think you should be congratulated for that. And I also think anybody who's ever feeling this way, you need to understand that I'm talking to everybody here. It's okay to feel like something is weird or unnatural or you don't like it. It doesn't make it, it's not, it doesn't matter if it's true or false that you could or couldn't do it with Redux Thunk or Sagas or whatever. If you felt that way, that was your experience. And that's something I've tried hard to get people to understand with software for years. The longer I've been in this industry, it doesn't matter if the thing can do the thing or not, if it can solve the problem or not. It's if the experience is so clunky and has so much friction that it causes people to feel the way you did, that's not good. And I think that's one thing that Vue excels at. Not the opposite, I guess. It excels at making people feel good <laughs> as they yeah. slide into things. And I think I commonly hear that across the board. Vue just... It's not that it's, wow, it can do 20 things that Reangular and React can't do. It's that it just feels much more natural to a lot of people when they come into it, the people who stick with it at least, right? I think that's a great point. I think you're killing it. That, that, was, that was a great way to summarize it. And, um, and that's not to say that after one night of research with the Redux thunk, I got it hooked up and that was the end of it. I didn't have to worry about it. I could just return my actions and it was over. So sure. like, you know, like you said, it, after you get it set up, you don't even deal with it again. Once you know but, how to do something, it's always easy. When you don't know how to do something, it's awful, you know? Right. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I was just going to say, and like, yeah, w- one point uh, to be fair to Redux is that uh, it, it is actually made to be like completely framework agnostic. So it can be used with React. It can be used with Vue. Like it could be used with Angular. Mm-hmm. Like you, could, you could use it with any kind of like framework or no framework that you want. And, and you can still use it the same way. Whereas with UX, like the goals are a little bit different uh, because we're assuming a view application. There are a lot of things that we can do, uh, a lot of assumptions that we can make uh, and internals of view that we can take advantage of to offer you a better view or a better dev experience like for view apps specifically than Redux would ever be able to for, for any kind of app because it's trying to be more, more general. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? A great point, Chris. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know that that first party support for Vue is a is a is a huge thing because you guys can do those. It's like when Apple makes iOS, you know, they can control everything. So that's why sometimes it comes out they're using half the hardware, but the speed is double. I wrote a library with uh, my buddy Ward Bell called NGRX Data, and NGRX is the Redux or Vuex for Angular. It's a like Vue and Vuex. It's a Redux flux pattern for Angular specifically. Uh, and the first thing I ran into was I wanted to understand the pattern, the flux pattern. So I went and researched Redux. I looked at Vuex. I looked at all these things. And the one thing I found in common there was that because Angular uses TypeScript uh, pretty much all over the place, uh, it's much more verbose than the other two. And one of the things I'd love to see with Vuex and Redux even, because uh, I've written apps in both those two, is there's a lot of stuff you repeat over and over and over again. And all of them, you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to have customers and orders and products and employees and sales some of the same actions will be in every place. Some of the same mutations will be you know, repeated. Some of the same getters uh, will be there. And it's okay, you can do this. But one of the reasons I wrote this NGRX data library with my buddy Ward was, I was like, it'd be great if we didn't have to keep writing the same things over and over again. So I find that my point here is we keep iterating over these patterns. And I like the fact that Vue and Angular both made their flow uh, flux patterns 
specific to their frameworks because they can take advantage of the things, as Chris said, that are inherent with those. And I, I love when people say things like, hey, it'd be great if this code was uh, framework agnostic because I could take it anywhere with me that I want to. I have yet to see people actually do that somewhere. It's like the days when people would say, well, I can hit Oracle or I can hit SQL Server. I, I'd love this code to be agnostic so I can switch on a moment's notice. How many times are you actually in that situation where someone's like, let's just tear out the backend database or let's just go from Vue to React tomorrow? Um, That's true. Maybe that happens. But. Yeah, I, There's a lot of blog posts promising that sort of thing. I know. Yeah, I, I have actually worked with, uh, worked with a client who decided to use Redux because they have like a bunch of different front-end teams that all get to choose what framework they're using mm. in their app. Uh, and there's some, uh, you know, there's some movement between teams. And so having people familiar with, like already familiar with the state management system, you know, was one less thing for, for them to learn. So that they, they made that choice. And that's where, that's where Redux like was a better option for them mm -hmm. uh, because it tried to be more generic so that it could work with any framework. It, it was able to offer other more specific options couldn't. So you're specifically saying that people have tried using Redux that you've worked with to do view apps as well? Yep. Awesome. Mm. Yeah, I just haven't seen that that often. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare, but there are use cases for it. So it's it's like really good that Redux exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is this is a great conversation. We could go on for days and days and days. I love talking about the three frameworks. So <laughs> I don't mean to just go on all this stuff. I'm sorry, guys. This is fantastic. No, no, no. Thank you. You've done the work and written it down, which is uh, is great. So so many people can actually look at that. And I'm sure we're going to put the link to your article in the show notes, and I, I encourage everybody to go read it because you have some great insights and points that. Uh, I had forgotten that I even went through when I did some of these things too. And like the React, the router, I wanted to ask you specifically, not so much about the React router, but the thing I ran into was, which one do I use? And I immediately started asking my React friends and I got three different answers. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I don't want to have to choose which router I pick. Can, can I just have like a React router? And well, there's one called that. I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> Did you go through so that? Is that the official one? No, no, that's not official. There's no official one. <laughs> exactly. I kind of like that Vue has one yeah. and Angular has one. And I don't know. I like the choice. I'm so, I'm very much civil. I like having choices and options. And I like to be able to know that I can configure the way I want. Kind of like you talked, Chris, about web config, Webpack. But I also like to know there's certain times like, you know what? It's two in the morning. I got to get this project out the door. I don't need five more decisions. I just want to know which one is the one that mm -hmm. I can get my job done. Definitely. And, you know, I, uh, I did the research. And like I said, I did my little John research that took, a, took an hour or two. And I really focused in on what are people, what's the pulse right now on, on the React router debate. And I landed on React router at that point. Like I said, that was about, I don't know, five, was it five months ago? So six months ago. So if you had just done it too a few months ago, I mean, it seems like there was a couple of competitors coming out, but I wanted to be real true to like a normal React user and React Router run, won out. Uh, little did I know, though, that it had just gone through a, a pretty big rewrite. I guess I didn't, I didn't know this. I, I started getting bit a little bit. Um, and one thing I write about in the article was it was two in the morning. It was that exact situation that John just laid out. I mean, he might have been in the room with me on that one. And I tried to get the query string. It was after dealing with some... I had just solved the issue of uh, locking the, the user out um, of the pages they shouldn't be in which I could not find a clear example 
wow, I could not find it. And I, like I said, I'm a decent Googler. So um, <laughs> I put it in, it, now it's live for people to see it. Now they can, if anybody types that in, hopefully they come across my little clip and that's it. I had just struggled with all that. And just to contrast with the, with the view router example, he has the example in the docs <laughs> of how to keep a user logged out uh, or a user out of a certain page. So that was beautiful. It was late at night and I sat down and I, I had to get the query string out of the, um, and this is like real petty stuff. Okay, whatever, you know, but it, I had to get the query string out of the URL and they had taken the ability to get the query string from the URL out of the library. And I searched it and the people were just freaking out. Like, dude, why did you guys remove this? We need, this is a router library. I need to turn to you to get the parameters. Don't you know, do you understand that? And they were saying, well, you know, we took it out because, you know, it comes in all different shapes and sizes. So maybe it's better off to install a library to handle that. Well, I thought that was fine, but then I installed the library and I installed like the wrong version because it was the QS library. And I, I gave a link in, in the article to the actual discussion, just because if, you know, I'm sure people believe me, but there was actually a whole thing where there's like two versions of it. There's like one that you can, that you should be downloading and one that you shouldn't. And then one of them, doesn't work with like the new ES6 stuff. It was some weird like thing. And that cost me another hour. And like I said, all I wanted to do was just get to the query string, you know, reliably, you know, because I was going to... I think that's one of the approaches of the libraries too is, is um, Chris, you mentioned earlier about how a lot of times in Vue, if I'm putting words in your mouth, correct me here. A lot of times in Vue, you know, you make the assumption that you're in the Vue ecosystem. So there's a lot of assumptions made and you try to uh, give you a comfortable journey through what you're doing with React. And I talked to folks like Ryan Florence and Brian Holtz and a lot of these people have been doing React for years and are experts. You know, one of the reasons they love React is because it's, you just, you have so many choices and you can pull so many pieces in. And each piece that you pull in as a dependency does some unique thing. So I think it's not so much a right or wrong as it is a methodology of how do you want to solve the problem? Uh, Vue takes a different approach than React does. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And who knows who's right and who's wrong there? You know, is it better that React gives you the option to sideload, you know, the query string handler that you want? Or is it better that I could have typed in this dot react, uh, this dot dollar sign router dot query string <laughs> and, and, and get the get the query string, you know? So I do like flexibility though, usually. It, it was interesting that I, I was so, um, I don't know if it was so late at night or what, but I just had a, I just had just about had it with um, these little gotchas, and they weren't so much gotchas. I think I summed it up in the article as well. There's just not a lot of little helpers, and I think that that's the best way to put it. And I gave a rendering. I thought there was a rendering situation too that was a good example of this. I think the V if and the V four. I mean, geez, subjectively and objectively. I mean, you know. I think I'm still scarred from having to do a loop outside of my render before uh, showing it in my in my uh, in my in the HTML for React. When I had to loop through something and I had to do it outside of the render, I was like, "Wow, you know, that's." And like I said, may, uh, I did my little bit of research on it there, and I people were like, "Oh no, that's just what you have to do," you know, because I had to loop over some uh, information. You mean and like I had doing to, like an array dot map or an array dot for? I'm talking like a V4, you know, right, where you want to loop over. Yeah, yeah, I had to do, yep, something like you just said, um, which, okay, it's not that strange, but it was more like the view way is just so much better. It's like a, it's like a, 
unbelievable restaurant. Like, you, you know, you, you leave there feeling unbelievable. You, you, you V4 the data. It takes two seconds. You're actually in the element that you're, your V4 is the element that you're starting your loop on. I mean, like I said, I still feel the pain from having to loop outside the render. And, 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 and that was, that's a helper that's missing. Somebody else would say, that's just how it is. Or maybe it's even better that it doesn't do that. You know, or for whatever it's just reason. JavaScript. It's just JavaScript. That's, yep. that's what I hear a lot in React. Chris, you're a React guy, right? It was just JavaScript, man. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a React consultant for two years, actually, before I started using Vue and mm. using that primarily for like, almost all of my apps, yeah. Really? Oh, I didn't but, know that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, think there's, I think there's kind of a continuum. So like on, on the Angular side, you know, that's, like, it tries to find like, um, the, like a right way to do almost everything for you. So that you never have to think about, oh, gosh, how, how am I going to solve this problem? Like, what am I going to use for routing? What am I going to use for the query string? What am I going to use for X exactly? Yep. Uh, and then I feel like React is like all the way kind of polar opposite, like on the mm-hmm. other side of the spectrum, where like not only React itself, but within the ecosystem, uh, people try to like give you the most flexibility so that uh, app developers have to think about a lot more stuff to build their apps and they have to like invent a lot of their own solutions for common problems. Mm -hmm. But the advantage is you get to kind of like build your own framework that is ideal for that specific app. It's never born in React, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that as as a pro though, like from whenever I have conversations with people who are React developers. Oh, no, no, like I I said, very exactly works. It's literally a framework built for your app. It depends what what kind of person you are, right? Like what you want to do. And so I tend, I'll be very clear. I'm very biased towards people who are in an enterprise somewhere in a business who are, their goal is to get this thing out the door. And a lot of times they're like, John, I just don't care that there's 22 ways to do this. (laughs) Can you just help me solve the problem? Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of times that's for something that gives you a path, does help, which is why I found I gravitated to Angular, not because it was the most attractive to me because the people I was working with, they just wanted a solution. But I can see that when I talk to React folks, the things that get people like Brian Holt, who's a good friend of mine, excited is that ah, I just found a new way to solve the same problem and it's even better. And <laughs> I love that. And I agree with them. The geek in me is like, that's so cool. Let's go, let's go hack on this. And I think it's just different kinds of people, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And if you, we, we try to do something somewhere in the middle. Uh, we provide, honestly, I think it's unpractical for like users to be deciding like how to do this. And, and when really like the needs of users aren't that different across applications. And I think like routing is one of those, one of those cases. And also like state management is one of those cases where in 99.9% of use cases, the needs are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And certainly for query strings. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember which library this is, but you know, I think I, I actually had the same thing where I was using like the version of query string that was only made for node. And it's like, oh, I didn't I see did that. Same thing. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I thought no one was going to believe me. I thought no one was going to Oh no, we've all got that problem. Uh, so, I mean, but there's no reason that users should ever have to research that kind of thing because then you have to become an expert in something that you might not even have that much domain knowledge in in the first place. So then you have to like accumulate all this domain knowledge and then make a decision. I'm telling you, I've spent sometimes like an entire week just figuring out like 
which is the best way to include state management in my app or which is yeah. the best way to include CSS in my app? Like it sounds so simple, but when there are right. so many options and so many different trade-offs, mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to make the wrong decision and then pay for it later. Totally. Yep. John, John, as we wrap up here, because we're getting, we're getting the cue from the producer of the show, we have to wrap up. <laughs> All right. Where, where did this leave you? I mean, you went through this experience, uh, you're a view developer, you went to React, you tried some things out. How do you feel about like, what would you choose next? And what would you kind of advice would you give people kind of going down the same road you went? Well, you know, I think anybody looking to do this, I think it's, a, I think it's, it, it probably helped me um, in the long run. You know, I, it, I think it's important to um, be educated and, and, and use some, use what everybody's talking about, or at least have a little bit of experience with it. It sharpened up my JavaScript skills for sure. Uh, even though I thought I was at a certain point, you know, I, I got even further because you're forced to do that uh, in, in React. I'm happy I did it. I'm glad that people can have a little bit of a, just a simple little demo, uh, open source little thing to look at. Um, so, and I'm happy to, you know, if I didn't write, if I didn't do this, then I probably wouldn't have talked to you guys here today, of course. So that's cool. Uh, bottom line though, and I end the article with this. I'll be using Vue for my next project. That's for damn sure. Well, thanks for coming on. We really uh, appreciated the conversation today. Thanks, guys. It was it was cool talking to you guys and hearing about Angular and uh, you know hearing the comparisons because that's something too that I don't really know a lot about. So that was cool. Yeah, I, I'm just disappointed about the lack of React bashing. <laughs> <laughs> no, another right? sponsorship, right? He's like, <laughs> man, we got to bash something. Yeah, thing I do want to say is that like the React ecosystem like has made all other ecosystems far richer than they otherwise would have been because sure. there is so much innovation that comes out of that ecosystem. Be- yeah, I agree. And, and and a lot of that is because React is careful like not to provide like opinionated solutions where it doesn't need to. Like it stays focused on you know just rendering that view layer and everything else. Like the the ecosystem has a chance to build really good things because when there's already an option that's like 90% as good as you want it to be, uh, you often never get to that 100%. True. Yeah, and it's also got one of the best spokesmen for anybody, spokespersons and anybody in our system, and Dan Abramoff. Uh, Dan is just Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Dan's fantastic. He never, and he's, he's just so bad. Yeah. Honestly, seeing him pop up in all my searches was, a, was the best part of React, probably. <laughs> yeah, he's terrific. This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com slash view. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. All right, let's do some picks. Um, we're into, under a little bit of a time crunch here. Joe, do you want to start us off with picks? Why do you always start, make me start off with picks? Because <laughs> it had you all the way on the left. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one if you want me to go. Yeah, go ahead. John, say right. Joe. I'll pretend I'm Joe. Uh, this is John. And my pick is a book by Chris Noring, a friend of mine who does React View and Angular. And he wrote a free ebook 
at the URL here, which uh, we'll put in the show notes on React. And I found this really, really awesome. It's, um, I went to the React docs a lot when I was doing React. I Googled a lot like John did. But there were times where I just couldn't figure out how to solve certain problems in some of the real world apps that I've been writing. And this ebook was awesome at solving some of it. And Chris was also great at answering questions when I reached out to him and accepting PRs when I found additional information that he thought might be useful. So check out his free ebook on React. So nice. Divya, do you have some picks for us? I do indeed. So my first pick, I, I keep talking about Framework Summit, but it was a wonderful conference. And um, we talked a little bit about um, Give View one day. I think John mentioned it. And that's actually from a talk that Chris gave at Framework Summit, which oh, okay. was like a really nice call to action for people who are interested in Vue or never gave Vue a try. And it was kind of, it was part of the keynote, which featured every representative or representative for, from every single framework. So you got to see the highlight reel of various different frameworks. And one of the things Chris mentioned was give Vue one day because people have misconceptions about Vue or they, they think it's like too simple. And that's a really good one, even though Chris disagrees with me on that. I think it was great. And then my second one is a course by Sarah Dresner called Design for Developers, which is actually happening during the, this recording, which is, what day is it? The 28th of November, but it's on frontendmasters.com. I think it's recorded. So um, it's really great. I watched the morning session where she goes over just concepts that developers can use in their own projects to make their projects look better and more interesting. Um, and she tries to dispel the concept that design when people are like, I'm not a designer or I'm bad at design, because she's like, everyone can design. You just need to know how. That's a really great one. And then my third pick is the Ghost CMS. So Ghost recently released a headless CMS and they're really cool. Um, and I love the product, but one of the downsides was that you couldn't use it. It was like pretty much you would use Ghost and only Ghost, but now they have a headless CMS so you can use like whatever front end you want and then use Ghost for your editing because their editing interface is beautiful. So I think that's really cool. And that is all. Nice. Very cool. Eric, do you have some picks for us? Yep. Uh, yeah, I have to check out that Ghost Headless CMS. That's pretty cool. I'm a Ghost fan. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of the AWS reInvent, uh, the, the conference that's happening, actually, as, as of this recording. Um, so Amazon's just doing some really cool things. I know Amazon, they had a Dynamo DB on demand that they released recently, which looks interesting. And uh, I've been playing, well, I think I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I've been really working on the Amplify framework, which is the foundation for putting your AWS apps out there and has some really cool features to make it easy to, to spin up Lambdas, to host all your stuff. Um, so that's what I've been looking at. Very cool. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Joe. It's me. Yeah. What are your picks? Okay, so my pick, so first, Divya is still one of my picks with the um, CSS for Developers, uh, Sarah Dresner's uh, front-end master's course. Uh, but I also want to talk about, it's okay, it's okay. Thank you. It gives me more time to talk about the other things. Ball Lightning is one of them. It's a, it's a book by uh, Liu Sishin, uh, whose name I'm sure I'm saying wrong. Uh, he's a Chinese science fiction or speculative fiction author, author of the Three Body series. If you haven't read that, uh, Oh my gosh, it's so good. I read all three. It's wonderful. Yeah, I want to read it. One of the best sci-fi trilogies uh, I've ever read. The first and the third is the best, though, not the second. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first and the third have a different translator. Yes. uh, And I like that translator better. 
But anyway, uh, The Ball Lightning is another book by the same author to check out, which I'm really enjoying so far. Still not finished with it, but it reminds me a lot of the first three-body book. And I also recommend Google Fi. By the time that you are listening to this, they will no longer have a deal that allows you to essentially get like a... Yes, I just bought mine. Google Pixel phone. But right before this, Divi and I were doing essentially the online equivalent of going to the mall together. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what color should I get? No, really. I it was like, which color? Or... Should I get the big one? I get one? the XL. <laughs> um, is this phone slimming? Is this phone slimming? Yeah. That's oh, a, yeah. Going to the no, mall. That's, like, that's what black is. Black is slimming. It oh, makes gotcha. my hand slimmer. Phone works the same way. But anyway, yeah, for the people who are here in real time, you can get essentially like a free like Pixel 3 phone if you sign up for Google Fi or you're already on Google Fi, which I am. And I highly recommend Google Fi. I love it. I use it all over the world and I get like really great reception and cheap data no matter what country I'm in. It's awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. Hell yeah. Referral money, Chris. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll drop my referral code. <laughs> That's cool, right? I'll talk to Chuck about it later. I think Chuck's okay with that, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Joe, well, what are your picks? All right, uh, I got three picks for you. First off, just earlier uh, this week, Aaron Frost and I launched, and John Papa, uh, got on a live event and launched NGConf Minified, which is for the NGConf conference. Um, obviously, this isn't a, an Angular show, but if you happen to do Angular, this is the talks, but three-minute versions. They're edited down to just be three minutes long. And that's what NGConf Minified is. So we launched that. We're pretty excited about it. And we think it's going to be a super awesome thing. So that was my, that'll be my first pick. My second pick is the, all the Framework Summit videos. Debbie was talking about that. They are now out. So you can check out all of the Framework Summit videos right now and go watch them. They're all on YouTube. And finally, my absolute favorite talk, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to specify this with a qualifier. I actually watched like four talks from Angular Connect. But of them, my favorite, and actually one of the best talks that I've seen in a long time, which is not a surprise because he's one of the best speakers that is out there. John Papa did this talk on Visual Studio Code. And it was this great talk. And he talked about all the things you can do with Visual Studio Code. And his, he had this like message. The one thing I want to remember is, what was it? Uh, Command Shift P, right? Like I remember it enough that I can like say it out loud and say that's what he did. I had to think about it for a second. But yeah, Command-Shift-P. And he, he showed a whole bunch of really interesting things about VS Code. So if you do VS Code, absolutely a talk. There's, there's quite a few things that are out there, like him and Burke have been doing on VS Code could do that. But this talk was by far, uh, had a lot, tons of content I'd never seen before. So that's my pick, is John Papa's talk from Angular Connect. Definitely go check that out. Nice. Awesome. All right, I'm going to jump in here with a couple of picks on my own. One that I've been playing with is a static site generator called Eleventy. It's written in JavaScript. You just node install it. It's been kind of fun to play with. They have a templating language that I'd never heard of before, but I'm liking it. It's a little bit like Crystal, but not quite. It's called Nunjux, and it's uh, built by Mozilla. So I'm I'm big in that. And yeah, those are my picks. John, the other John, you have some picks for us? Yeah, I just want to uh, just plug my uh, the latest thing I've been working on. Bestmeta.com just makes it a uh, you know, when you're on Amazon, I don't know if you guys are like me, but you like to, uh, you know, search by bestseller and you got to trace that, chase that little yellow label around on all the things. So I, I just made a little thing using Vue, of course, and uh, Golang on the back end. 
bestmeta.com lets you sort of search for the best selling products on Amazon. Uh, just came out like two days ago. You know what I mean? Oh, so, nice. Anyways, just wanted to plug that. And also shout out to honestly, something I've been using a lot lately. And I think Divya, I, do you work for Netlify? Because I that's, do. Yes. All right. You write the best articles because I read, I, I come oh, across yeah, your stuff yeah, in my... <laughs> so uh, honestly, Netlify is unbelievable. Um, it really, I can't believe it's free. It's a steal. I moved all my stuff over to it. It's unbelievable. I just want to, you know, at first I had seen it about a year ago, hadn't really checked it out, but uh, now I'm into it big time and I do love it for hosting front ends. I mean, it's unbelievable. So shout out, shout out to Netlify on that one. And I paid no money for that. <laughs> that was, I'll, I'll talk to you after, Divya, for the payment. Okay. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I should say that. Yeah, I've been, deploying, or something. <laughs> I've been deploying my static site to Netlify and it's pretty darn easy to set up. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, John, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Uh, you can find me on uh, github.com slash John Dutzarakis, uh, Twitter uh, slash John Dutzarakis. Just type in a long Greek name into Google and you'll, you'll, you'll hit me. You'll find my homepage on that one. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Got to jump off and roll over to Adventures in English. So. Peace out. Nice chatting, Thanks. everybody. All right, All right guys. Bye. Nice yeah. meeting you. Thank yeah. you, guys. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.